2: Previously on Murder on the Space Coast, Where is Brandy Hall?
3: We were working that crime scene basically from dawn to dusk. We don't know what happened at this point. We don't know where it occurred. We don't know where Brandy is, alive or dead. I've seen head wounds where
0: the bullet goes in one side and comes out the other, and there's brain and bone and shit everywhere, okay? I didn't see that
4: in this, in, this, in this
2: instance. I'm news columnist John H. Juarez, and welcome back to Murder on the Space Coast, Where is Brandy Hall? Okay, so, so far we've learned that on August 17th, 2006, a 32-year-old firefighter and mother of two, Brandy Hall, left the Malabar Fire Station close to 11 p.m., Earlier in the evening, she called her children to say goodnight and to tell her husband, Jeff Hall, she would be at his sentencing hearing the following day. We know that she left the fire station that night saying she needed to get home. She checked her voicemail and then made a 10-minute and 46-second phone call to her lover, Palm Bay Fire Captain Randall Richmond. We know that she never made it home. She never made it to court to testify in support of her husband. And her two children never again heard their mom's voice. We know Brandy's truck was found in a secluded pond in Palm Bay after an angler fished out her floating bunker gear and cooler. Brandy's blood, enough of it not to be washed away by the pond water, was found inside her truck on the driver's side. We know that neither her body, nor her gun, nor any other useful evidence was recovered from that pond. We know it was a pond familiar to Brandy. She used to train there while working for the St. John's River Water Management District. And the pond was apparently where Brandy and her lover, Randall Richmond, would rendezvous. Okay, so look, I've watched enough of Erin Moriarty and Keith Morrison to know that in cases like this, where there is an affair involved, it is always the husband. I don't care how they make it look, or how many red herrings are presented along the way, it is always the husband. And here we have Jeff Hall, who is about to be sentenced to prison for operating a marijuana grow house. Was it a matter of him just finding out about his wife's affair? Or did he plan it out, and time killing her to coincide with him going away? Well, if so, then he would be a special kind of evil to have absolutely no regard for his children, right? Right? I mean, would he make them orphans by killing their mother as he's on his way to prison? Who would watch them? Who would take care of them? On the other hand, jealousy, rage, and passion can be all-consuming. Now, finding Jeff Hall to ask him some questions wasn't much of a challenge. He was in the Osceola County Jail awaiting bond. Jeff had just been sentenced to 18 months in the Department of Corrections, but the judge agreed to release him while his attorneys appealed the legality of the search on the growhouse. house. Enter Florida Department of Law Enforcement agent Tom Davis, now retired, who was called in by the Palm Bay police to help out. He must watch 48 Hours and Dateline like I do, because his first instinct was to talk to the missing woman's husband.
4: I said we probably should talk to the husband. Where, oh, he's in, in Osceola jail. I said, fine. How about, nobody seemed real enthusiastic. Well, he was in jail. And I said, well, how about I go over and talk to the husband? He may have something for us. Let's see what's up. So I did. I traveled to the Osceola County Jail that evening. It was dark, near dark. It was after the 6 o'clock news, because as as they brought Jeff Hall down to me to meet in the interview area, I remember uh, he's like, it's on the news, pictures, and they're talking, and they're, you know, there's all kind of crap about what the hell's going on. And I said, well, obviously you haven't heard, and I proceeded to explain to him yeah. what had happened, and he was shocked. As I went through, I did not want to hand up any names, uh, I wanted to... Extract data as much, as anything, because at that point, honestly, other than the affair and Randall Richmond, I didn't know a whole lot. Yeah. But anyway, so I talked to uh, to the husband. I felt genuinely that he he didn't have anything to do with it. I, I just did, John. I mean, all these years, you and I have spoken. All these years, it's just you trust your gut. Yeah. And it's usually prevailed for me. And uh, he was more shocked, more confused. I didn't see which I wouldn't expect it from a guy that's been shocked, uh, you know, crying, weeping, or wailing. Um, I didn't really, it was more astonished than anything. Like, you know, what happened? I I don't know. So I left there, felt comfortable. I didn't spend a lot of time with Jeff.
2: Who Tom became more interested in was Randall Richmond. But then Jeff Hall does something when he's released from jail that pulls the spotlight right back onto himself. He refuses to talk to the police. Now that's a red flag. Though, after researching and writing seasons one and two of Murder on the Space Coast, I'm not really sure why anyone would ever talk to the police, especially if they like you for a crime. Don't agree with me? Ask William Dillon, Wilton Dedge, and Gary Bennett how talking to the cops worked out for them. Or better yet, just go back and listen to seasons one and two. So Jeff Hall is refusing to talk, but someone else isn't. Randall Richmond goes to the Palm Bay Police Station on that Friday, after Brandy's truck is discovered. And well, to put it bluntly, he lies. Here's Detective Mike Poussatier.
1: Well, the Friday that her truck was found, he had a conversation with the original detective and said, yeah, I haven't talked to her in weeks. Wait, what?
2: He talked to or texted with Brandy 52 times a day? And he tells police that he hasn't spoken to her in weeks? In fact, he'd spoken with Brandy at least five times that day of her disappearance, according to phone records. Not to mention, he talked to Brandy the night that she disappeared. As we now know, and the cops would soon know, thanks to the phone records. Here is Randall Richmond himself admitting to the lie later on.
3: Yeah, and I told the police that that didn't, told Kevin and and Jess that that all didn't look good. I knew that didn't look good. I know I lied. I I walked in there and told him I lied. I told the guys flat out, look, guys, what I told you on Friday, I lied about.
2: That's not all. His Friday evening interview with police was pretty emotional, especially for somebody who claimed he hadn't spoken to Brandy in weeks, according to Tom Davis, and others who were present at the interview, or who have watched a recording of it.
4: They went into the interview room. The emotional state of Richmond was rather startling to me, uh, in that weeping, crying, uh, showing extreme emotion. I was told by members of the police department that Randall, Richmond, and the victim, Brandy had an ongoing affair, extramarital affair. So I expected probably some emotion, but in all my years of seeing how people respond, uh, I was—I was—it drew—it caught my attention. His degree.
2: Right. You're also a profiler. That's correct. And, and yes, so, sir. when you see that sort of reaction, what does it tell you? Or you know, what does it tell your gut? Uh,
4: my gut feeling was uh, it was more of a fear with some. Because you see, I didn't see the genuine, oh my God, I lost someone I love. My gut, my my years of this, didn't tell me that, John. Uh, What it did was arouse suspicion.
2: I'll say so. All that emotion and the tears is without a doubt a red flag, or at least something that has to make police question, what was really going on? Okay, so what we have is Brandy Hall's husband, Jeff, refusing to speak with police and Brandy's lover lying to police and getting emotional. That, combined with no tangible evidence of where Brandy might be, really muddled the investigation early on. Again, here is Detective Mike Pusatier.
1: Jeff Hall kind of put the police department in a, unintentionally in a bad spot with the investigation because of his drug charges. His attorney's recommendation to him was not to talk to us. Well, that makes him look guilty but we also can't move past him at that point because what you want to do is if i have five people that i need to rule out i want to go talk to these people and find out where they were what they were doing well if they don't cooperate and people don't have to necessarily cooperate but if they do and they give me an alibi then i can rule them out and move on to more people Um, we do that with jeff but his attorneys won't let us talk to him
2: it's our instinct to assume guilt when someone won't talk Jurors in criminal court are even reminded that not taking the stand in one's own defense is not an admission or a sign of guilt. Yet we find ourselves asking, why won't Jeff Hall talk? What is he hiding? Well, here is Jeff Hall's attorney, Kepler Funk, explaining why he kept Jeff from talking to police.
5: We are in a real quandary because Jeff, you know, wants to find his wife, right? Yeah. But law enforcement we had his case on appeal and so it was really difficult because uh, he wants to find his wife because he loved his wife and is freaking out about where she is and wants to cooperate and do all those things and he has us yelling at him you can't talk to law enforcement because we know they're going to get into the facts of your case and in florida Every statement you make is admissible in a criminal prosecution. And Mm. at that time, we're fully expecting to uh, get back into court and potentially try the case again. Because we think at that time we're going to win on appeal.
2: What Funk is saying is that police would have been able to ask Jeff about the grow house operation and his conviction. And whatever Jeff said could have been used in his drug case on retrial since it was on appeal. As a lawyer... Kepler-Funk is protecting his client. At the same time, he understands how it looks. Then Funk's partner, Alan Diamond, comes up with an idea.
5: And so Alan came up with the brilliant idea of give him immunity. Yeah. Right? So give him immunity and he'll tell you everything you want to know. And they wouldn't do it. And now, listen, you know, I don't ever presume to know what law enforcement is thinking or doing or any of that stuff, but they wouldn't do it. So then I look at them, and we are saying the same things along for us. And look, guys, I, I can't tell him in good conscience to start talking to you about a case that we're going to be back on. I'd be committing malpractice. Right, right. And, and and so, Alan, I think found the solution um, that would have, you know, insulated my guy if we're successful on appeal and we're back on a trial. At the same time giving law enforcement everything, because he was ready to cooperate 100% as it relates to finding his missing wife. Right. It was very sad.
2: So two days after Brandy's truck is found, and two days after making his initial statement to the police, Randall Richmond is back at the station on Sunday, this time to change his story. He's not dumb. He must have known that his and or Brandy's cell phone records would be analyzed. And his claim of not having spoken to her in weeks would be exposed as a lie. Now, as I mentioned in an earlier episode, the police would not share their recordings of the interviews with me because it's an open investigation. But I recently managed to get my hands on an interview that Randall Richmond had with Florida Department of Law Enforcement agents Wayne Ivey and Tom Davis a little more than a year after Brandy went missing. This interview has never been made public before. Ivey later became sheriff of Brevard County and Tom Davis retired. Here is a bit of that interview.
0: You gave a statement back then that was totally different than the statement you gave on Sunday. Why? Because she had asked me,
3: this is what I want you to do, don't tell anybody. Okay? And then of course when Sunday rolls around and all of this stuff's in the news and there hasn't been a page that she told me she would paged me, I'm thinking, well, what in the hell has happened? Has she really left? Has she staged all of this? Has something happened to her?
2: Okay, so Randall admits that he did talk to Brandy the night she disappeared. But he says he lied initially because Brandy was leaving town, running away, and she didn't want anyone to know. Here is Randall again, telling Wayne Ivey about the phone call.
0: And then Brandy calls you or you and she are talking And she tells you that she's leaving?
2: Yeah, uh, I'm leaving. Uh, Where where are you going?
3: What are you doing? Uh, You know, she wasn't real clear about it, you know. Um, Well, what are you doing right now? She says, I'm waiting on money. I says, what do you mean you're waiting on money? Well, I'm getting money. Uh, Where are you getting money from? Who are you getting money from? You know, never was there any answers to those questions. Never. Okay. And where was she at during that call? She was at, well, she told me she was at the Sunoco. Okay.
0: And and which Sunoco?
3: I'm assuming it would be the one, which is what I think I told in the, the um, interview and everything before, would have been the one on the west side of 95, the big one. Because there's another one on the other side. It's called, it the, the, used to be called the store, but that's
0: Sunoco also. Okay. I'm assuming that's where she would have been, you know, never really said. Now, that conversation became pretty emotional, right? Between you and her, her saying she's leaving?
3: Well, it became confusing. You know, what do you mean you're leaving? Where are you going? You know, you can't leave. Aren't you violating something to do with what has happened with your drugs? You know, um,. I, I didn't know. I thought I remembered something about sometime that, that she couldn't leave the area or something, and and maybe I'm wrong. I didn't know. You know, you can't leave. You know, that aren't you going to be violating something? No. What are you going to do about the kids? What about Jeff? You know, how are you going to you know how are you going to take care of the kids? You can't leave. You know, things like that. And like I said, nothing was ever answered. Whether she was leaving for
0: an hour, three hours. You know, so she wouldn't answer any of those questions? No, she you. was very vague in all of it. So she didn't tell you she wasn't coming back or anything? No. Nope. She just said, nope. I'm, I'm leaving. All right. So like you said just now, for all you knew, she was leaving for a day or three hours or whatever. Okay. All right. Now, you hang up the phone with her and that's it? Well, I told her, I said, do I need to come down there?
3: No, you don't need to come down here. Don't come down here. You know? Okay. And that,
0: and pretty much I left it at that. All right. So, cause I mean, there's always been the, you know, the blood in the truck and everything else. Um. So when, when you and her were talking, what time was that? Ballpark, I know we're testing your memory a little bit. I don't know. 10,
3: 11 o'clock, I don't know. Okay. I mean, I know that somebody's got the phone records. I mean, they, right. down to the minute, I, I would think that it yeah. was
0: Well, ten, and ten again, we're, we're talking to you, so
3: we're, yeah, we're not using that. I know. Any of that. I know. That's, that's good
0: that you can remember. I
3: think it was 10, 11 o'clock.
0: I, I mean, I couldn't be wrong an hour here, an hour there. All right. So she never said, I'm leaving for good, that's it? No. No. Okay. Um, so when you hang up from her, well, let me, let me digress. You tried to get her to let you come down here and talk to her, she wouldn't. Yeah, she said, well, I said, do I need to come down here? And, no, you don't
3: need to come down here. You know, no, you're, it's fine. You don't need to come down
2: here. So even though the audio you just heard is from a year later, this is basically what Randall told police two days after Brandy went missing. One other little tidbit you should know here. A few hours into his interview with the Palm Bay police that Sunday, Randall's wife, Anne Marie, shows up and apparently slaps him across the face causing his glasses to cut into his face a bit. I will get into that more later on. So Randall says that he lied Friday to protect Brandy's privacy. Of course, he lies even though that very day Brandy's truck with her blood in it was pulled from a pond. He also tells police that he threw out his cell phone, a special phone that was for the express purpose of texting and talking with Brandy daily. What puzzles me is that Randall says he first learns of Brandy's plan to leave town or run away after 11 p.m. that very night. I mean, they spoke or texted 52 times a day and even had at least five conversations that day on the phone. Strange, right? And one more thing to consider. So there Randall is on Sunday saying he's coming clean on the lie that he told Friday. But we find out later he lies again Randall admits to an emotional affair with Brandy, but said they had sex only one time. He continued that lie a year later in speaking with Ivy and Tom Davis. He finally admitted to Sid Ledow and Doc Jones years later what just about everyone already knew. The affair wasn't a one time thing, it lasted several years and was, judging by Richmond's emotions during questioning, intense. Some, as you're about to hear, would call it love.
0: Without any hesitation from you, yeah. were you in love with it? Are you asking me then
3: or are you asking me now? Then. Then, then no.
0: Okay,
3: as you reflect back on it, were you in love with it? After I've been to see my wife's therapist, after I've been to see my therapist, they all said it's called love. Okay. Affairs of the heart
0: Brian, I'm gonna ask you a question, but, yes, sir. I'm I'm from the country. I kind of shoot straight from the hip, all right. Go. Did you kill Brandon? No, sir. I did not. Do you believe Brandy's dead?
3: I honestly do not know. I honestly do not. Know. That's what we were talking about. You know, is she laying on a beach somewhere in Mexico? Did something happen to her? You know, you, you think about a lot of things and a lot of things, you know... Let me ask you this. I have not formulated an opinion. If you did kill her, what would have been your reasoning for doing it? I had no reason to kill her. None whatsoever.
0: Okay. I had none. I'm, I'm going to tell you a theory that's been thrown at, at me and I want you to devil's advocate, if you will. Okay. Brandy warned you you and her had, had obviously had a relationship, and when things started heating up with you not going to testify and everything else, there was a possibility that the cat was gonna be out of the bag, that Anne was gonna find out the real truth about everything.
2: When asked by Ivy and Davis what he thought might have happened to Brandy, Richmond shifted the focus back onto Jeff Hall, Brandy's husband, and his drug charges.
3: Oh, I only knew what I read and what was on, you know, that he wasn't gonna talk to anybody about it unless yeah. he got... Um, um, immunity and all that, in other words, couldn't be. He wanted immunity mm-hmm. from the drug charges mm-hmm. to talk with anybody yeah. about her case. Yeah. See, yeah. I, I didn't, you know... Don't, yeah, well, you got the same uh, I mean, question mark that we would, you know? Yeah, I mean, yeah. you know, yeah. And that's what, that's what even, you know, even after her, that's what makes me think that, well, what was, what was the connection there between him and her? Who's, who's looking, is there somebody really looking to do harm to him or her? And that's why he's not talking or that's why he's asking Uh, for immunity. uh, And, and, you know,
2: uh, I don't know. uh, I don't know. Speaking through his lawyer, Alan Landman, in 2017, Randall said, and I'll quote the email, I really do not believe Jeff had anything to do with her disappearance. Meanwhile, and this is just a little aside, but I thought it was worth noting, in the course of the investigation, someone contacted a well-known psychic, Gail St. John, to come down to Brevard County to see if she could come up with anything regarding Brandy's whereabouts. She blew me away, though, when she revealed that one of the people seemingly pulling out all the stops in an effort to find Brandy was actually her killer. She also said that when Brandy is finally found, there will be evidence to identify the killer. Could you tell us how you um, got involved? And... Yes, yes, and, and,
6: and I can tell you, it was a strange involvement. How so? Um, I do believe And I can't name names because the case is still open. Okay. In that sense. But I will say originally and and perhaps even after I had been there, I was contacted by, I feel, the person who committed this crime. Really? Yes. Because I remember very distinctly reading an email, a very strange email that I got, and I, I opened the email up, and all of a sudden it just like, why are you... Saying this stuff because you're you are the one who did this.
2: Wow! So it was like so. Okay, so a, a like person emailed you and you got this feeling from the email.
6: hmm It was immediate. Yeah. As soon as I opened the email, like, why are you saying these when you already know where this person is because you did it. Oh boy. So now I you know I I, I kind of had I I had to tread lightly.
2: Okay. Are are you hearing this? Someone close to the case contacts a psychic to help find Brandy, and the psychic gets the email and feels right away that that very person asking for help is the person responsible. Wild, right? So Gail, so you came to to Brevard County after getting that email, or was that before?
6: Um, after getting the email, I, I was also asked in by a couple other people um, that were involved. Uh, in the case, and I went, and I knew when I went that I would not be finding anything. This is one of those unfortunate things yeah. of the connection. And I, well, I know they've been waiting for eleven years, and there's been bits and pieces that have come about in and evidence found. In areas where I said it would be, yeah. But the problem with this is we're still off on the
2: timing. Oh, is that right?
6: I just don't feel like
2: we're
6: we're not there this yet, year.
2: right? Yeah. I promised her that I would not reveal who it was that emailed her, and I need to keep my word. So, sorry. But I found it interesting that her take, in a way, echoed what retired detective Doc Jones said in an earlier episode about the case not being sleepy enough yet to be able to put to bed. In other words, it's not quite time yet. Maybe this podcast will change things. (laughs) Next time on Murder on the Space Coast, where is Brandy Hall? There are no shortage of theories as to what happened. And after hitting a wall, the Palm Bay police bring in the FBI, a special crime-solving society, and a pair of old retired detectives named Sid LaDow and Doc Jones.
0: You work it as a worst-case scenario. It's very difficult because now um, you can't say for sure that there's a homicide, so you're working it as one, but uh, without uh, being able to have a body, you can't determine the circumstances surrounding death, so therefore it's a it's a
1: whodunit. Heard the rumor, but nobody obviously would be willing to confirm that, so it remains that. Um, never found any evidence to support it, other than people saying, well, I heard this, well, who'd you hear from? Well, I don't know, I just heard it around. So you could never chase it back to a source.
2: If you have any information as to Brandy Hall's whereabouts, please call 1-800-423-TIPS. That's 1-800-423-8477. Calls are anonymous and are not recorded. To subscribe to Florida Today, please visit floridatoday.com forward slash WMO. For now, I'm news columnist John H. Juarez, and you can follow me on Twitter at John Albert Torres. That's at J-O-H-N-A-L-B-E-R-T-O-R-R-E-S. And for more information on these cases and web exclusives, please go to WhereIsBrandyHall.com Murder on the Space Coast is written and narrated by me, John A. Torres. The producer is Rob Landers, and the editor is Mara Bellaby. Thank you for listening to Murder on the Space Coast, brought to you by Florida Today a part of the USA Today Network.